0: Blood Talk Radio
1: Welcome to Clear and Convincing, the show that looks at criminal cases from the perspective of the courts, not the court of public opinion. We're Lisa O'Brien, podcasting from New Orleans, Louisiana, where Attorney General William Barr is in town to speak to the Fraternal Order of Police's 64th National Biennial Conference. And Michael Carnahan from Little Rock, Arkansas, where, beginning on August 23rd, a stretch of President Clinton Avenue in the River Market District will let patrons get their drinks to go. Unlike Bourbon and Beal, Beale, there will be signs and banners posted, and those cups will cost you a dollar. Tonight, we'll continue our look at Edward Wayne Edwards, who was recently linked to murders around the United States by a retired detective from Montana. The theory is that Edwards began killing in 1945 in Chicago— and continued until his arrest in 2009. We'll look at the allegations made to support the theory and the known facts of the murders that occurred between 1954 and 1989, many of which were high-profile cases with intense media interest. As always, we are a live show, and calls are welcome. Our phone number is 347-989-1171. Good evening, Michael.
2: Good evening, Lisa. Okay, so I feel, and I know I felt confident last week getting sucked down the rabbit hole, but I feel more confident. I listened to the last interview, got notes from James Cam- from John Cameron's uh, own words. I feel more confident that we're not going to just get lost and go insane. Because trust me, I was insane last time by the time we got off the air.
1: Yeah. Well, part of the problem with that is that Cameron has a tendency to go and and link one murder to another murder based on the most specious of factors, like the Robeson murders, the the murders in Chicago in '55, and the West Memphis three. Well, that was all Robin something.
2: Yeah, Robin Hood
1: or Robin Robeson. Hood, Paul. Robin Hood, Robeson, Robinson Woods, all those names sound alike. Well, you know, uh, yeah, but that doesn't make them linked.
0: Exactly.
2: Well, I mean, at one point he said that I believe it was Chandra Levy was was killed because she was from Modesto, uh, and she had brown hair like Dahlia. Excuse my language, ladies and gentlemen, but the fuck? (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and then the other thing was she was an intern in the PR Department of Bureau Prisons. And at that time, we were gearing up for the execution of Timothy McVeigh, who had Uh been convicted of the Oklahoma City bombings at the uh, Murrah Federal Federal Building. Um, And so that she was somehow taking publicity from him, although – he wasn't really doing anything.
2: Yeah. It, it literally befuddles me, a lot of the shit he connects, and, you know, we'll talk about it here in a minute, but right, it befuddles me, but now I kind of understand a little bit more of the cold case Cameron site, like like I was talking to you before we came on the air. The Black Dahlia thing, apparently he, is, he got links to the Black Dahlia website by Cameron Gripping apart his book, and uh, I guess basically Google search.
1: Yeah, but I, again, there's no there's no corroboration or support for his claim that Edwards set up the Black Dahlia site. What? Right.
2: And I agree. And like I said, you I, know, a lot of this I just wrote down because it and from um, I was I and, finally was able to see where he quote unquote made the connection.
1: You know, and that's another thing that's, that's kind of funny is that his whole theory, a lot of it is based on internet, web searches, Google, finding these websites like Dahlia Solution and uh, Zodiac with message boards where the people posting, there is no, it's, it's anonymous. And there's no corroboration of anything those people say. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I gotta wonder if he was a homicide detective and a cold case detective, how did he ever solve anything?
2: You know, I came to that I came to that realization last week when we were doing the show. I was like, Dadgum, I mean and Lord knows I'm sure he he apparently was a pretty decorated detective and what have you there in Deer Lodge, which I mean there was probably one murder the whole time he was there and he was probably twiddling the thumbs for the rest of the time, but still, I mean you look at it and
1: that's what like, he says, but where what? where are the that's what he says, but where are the uh you know where where I want to see the medals <laughs> right. I want to see him in full dress uniform with the
0: bars
1: (laughs) to see what medals he actually has. Um, You know, there was, there, there was one claim on his website where he said that Edwards was arrested for violation of the Dyer Act, which is impersonating a police officer or federal agent or military member. And I'm like, the Dyer Act is, Taking stolen cars across state lines.
2: Well, I mean, just looking at it, I mean, there was one, and I forget what murder they were referencing in the uh, in the uh, in the uh, episode, but uh, he said, you know, he came back from Korea, or he came back from being in the army, and that's when he started dressing up as a priest like he was between one of three things, a priest, a cop, and a psychologist, I
1: believe it was. Yeah, he he did admit to posing as a psychologist. Uh-huh. And as far as dressing up as a pre, I don't believe dressing up as a priest because he never said he did.
0: Uh-huh. Dressing
1: up as a police officer, he may have done, or impersonating a federal agent, he may have done – in the 60s when he was on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list and wanted to try and get his own ass out of a crack. Right. But I don't... That's another thing. Cameron speaks in these absolutes, and he talks a lot about topics that are state of mind, motive, intent, and you can't do those things with internet searches and a 30 or 40 year old book from a known liar and con man without actually knowing the person and having the person say, this is why I did that. Now, you know, police do some of that, but that they usually it's pretty educated and it's pretty solid but they base it on evidence at the scene, things that they've observed, talking to the suspect, you know, those, those kind of things. And, and you know, Cameron doesn't have any of that. I think it was his, his partner, Neil, who actually is the one who talked to Edwards on the phone.
2: Right. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, you look at a lot of this stuff and you're just like once again I mean if you just look at cold case Cameron you pretty much I think he beats people with stuff to the point where they're just like they accept it without doing any research because if you start doing research you're going to drive yourself insane
1: well you know I have found I, with the exception of a couple of murders I have been able to find uh, you know information that basically refutes things that he says. Like the, the Hirons murders with um Suzanne Degnan, uh Teresa Teresa Brown and uh Joyce Ross. Josephine Ross, Francis Brown and Susan Degnan, sorry. Um where he, you know, he was totally off on how they were killed.
3: Right,
2: right. I, I, and, I mean, like we said, you know, I had to ask, trying to get a spoiler alert, if you believe that the West Memphis Three, with everything you know, was uh, could possibly have been done with a pain if, uh, if the injuries, you know, match. And, you know, I'm not going to – we'll not have you answer that right now. But, you know, I even had to go and be like, is there any way humanly possible at this point? And you answered that question.
1: Well, some – I answered it off the air. Some of the injuries are consistent with a narrow implement like a broom or a cane. But there are other injuries from a larger implement. And the, the bottom line with the West Memphis Three, as far as Cameron goes, he doesn't have any of the case facts right. He, there's no way a 60 year old overweight man with a bad back and a bad neck could have controlled those three boys in the woods without one of them getting away. Well,
2: and I mean we referenced it earlier about the uh, first murders and. Robinson Hills or whatever the hell there in Chicago and he basically referenced Edwards as the killer in that case by saying that the last known person said they saw the boys getting into a vehicle and the last words that they spoke were oh hey Ed Ed's a pretty common name Don, sorry to tell you but it is
1: Wait, on the West Coast 3 or the um the, or the boys, uh I mean. the burger boys in chicago uh
0: yeah, we'll
1: we'll she- talk about that a little bit later and then we'll talk in more depth next week but um uh they could have been saying ken not ed
0: okay
2: okay well yeah like i said i don't want to get too far ahead but i just wanted to point some of the stuff some of my thoughts fresh off of listening to our earlier podcast, but we'll get back on subject again. I
1: apologize. All right. No problem. Um we'll we'll count that as our overview <laughs> and recap of part go. one. <laughs> okay. All right. We do have some new new developments to talk about real quick. Uh Stephen Avery, the trial court has denied Stephen Avery's requests or claims related to the quarry bones that were given to Teresa Halbach's family in 2011 without notice to uh, his attorneys, who were at that time waiting on a writ to the Wisconsin State Supreme Court. Okay. To be accepted or you know they were they were they had filed a writ with the Wisconsin state supreme court seeking review of Avery's conviction but they um they had not it hadn't been granted or denied at that point
0: right. it
1: ultimately was denied um okay. and there were no pending requests to perform any type of examination or testing on the bones at the time. Uh, The judge basically found that the police notes and the police observations don't change the expert testimony at the trial as to the bones, whether they were human, whether they had DNA, you know, those, those kind of things were determined at trial. And what the police believed doesn't change what was found at trial.
0: Okay. Right. Because this is an
1: issue that was raised at trial.
2: Right. Which, I mean, ever since we started talking about this, when you told me that, you know, he was pissed off that the bones were given back to the family, I'm like, that was like pretty standard procedure to give, you know, the loved one their fucking relative
1: back. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so they're now they're gonna go there there is still an appeal at the intermediate appellate court in Wisconsin. However, I predict that in whenever her brief is due, she's gonna file several requests for extension. And then right before her brief is ultimately due and the appellate court is not going to grant any more extensions, she's going to file a new request to go back to the trial court with, quote, new evidence, unquote. Because that's what she's done twice now. She's still still supposed to be appealing the 2016 writ that was denied in 2017. You
0: still there, Michael? Yeah, yeah, I'm still
2: here. I apologize. I have to step away for a second, but yeah, I mean, the 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 whole thing with Avery, I I mean, and that may be you may get more of a bite off of uh, Brad on that one because you know he's been watching the uh, watching the making of murderer making the murderer uh, documentary there on Netflix. But honestly, this sounds just like a lot of the stuff we do—pretty open and shut.
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um so we'll we'll see how that uh she's got 40 days to file her appellate brief. And um like I said, I think she's going to request several extensions as many as the appellate court will give her and then she'll want to go back to the trial court yet again with quote new evidence. Okay. Now, and then we I, have... I was about yeah. to
2: I told you I thought I googled Ronnie Reed this afternoon. Yeah. Just because I knew... Yeah. I believe he's coming up before Swearingen, correct?
1: Right? No, he's after Swearingen.
2: Okay, well, I should have googled Swearingen, my bad. But.
1: Uh, yeah, no problem. There
2: was something, I believe, about a week ago that they filed? Or yes. maybe even less than that.
1: Yes, his attorneys filed a federal... Uh, A lawsuit, civil rights lawsuit in federal district court seeking access to DNA evidence for testing. Um, Larry Swearingen's same attorney, Innocence Project of Texas, filed a similar request on behalf of Swearingen, which was summarily denied and dismissed. That actually was on appeal at the time that the defense and the state agreed or defense and prosecution in Montgomery County agreed to limited DNA testing, which didn't help uh, swearing in whose execution is set for next Wednesday. Okay.
2: Um, now there's two question.
1: There may also be with, with Reed's, with Reed's civil suit, there may also be a statute of limitations problem because okay. you you have 2 years his request for DNA testing was denied by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals in April of 2017 he filed this in August of 2017
2: 2019 right which is a little outside of that which
1: is a little bit past now the The question is whether or not the motion for rehearing that he filed in the TCCA is going to toll the limitations period. Now, there's
2: a couple of things based upon the story I read that I want to ask, and I believe it was in like the Austin Statesman, I believe. But the first thing was that it said that Rodney's attorney that's filed this is out of New York. Is that correct?
1: I believe that Ben Jett is now out of New York, but at one time he was with the Texas Defender Service.
2: Okay. I just wanted to make sure I read that correct. And the other thing, yeah. basically, what he's arguing is from what I read, is the fact that they're just telling him, hey, Rodney, we would give it to you if we have it, but basically, this DNA or this evidence is such, is so old. No. There's not going to be anything no. that's going to be worth a damn, or we can't guarantee that it's
1: going to be. No, that is no, 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 no.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. One of the one of the problems is that in the 1990s, in the 1980s, DNA was in its infancy, and so right. even in the early 1990s, even toward the beginning the beginning of the 2000s there was no such thing as touch dna okay uh dna had to come from bodily fluids like semen saliva blood
0: mhm
1: uh you couldn't get dna if you breathed on something even though you would expel dna what you're expelling is in too low a number To be able to read, basically. So Uh we didn't handle things the way we handle them now.
0: Right. And so
1: what the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals found is that a lot of the evidence that Reed wants to subject to touch DNA evidence has been stored with other evidence, Mm
2: -hmm. not separately packaged. Right.
1: And so basically the, the potential is that you'll get unknown touch DNA uh-huh. on the belt because it was handled during the trial by the attorneys, by witnesses, by jurors, and you'll have unknown DNA from touch DNA. They're saying, well, if we have that, if we have multiple instances on, on evidence Will know that that was contamination. Why? Right.
2: And honestly, Lisa, but
1: this not necessarily. What case I case. what I suspect that they'll do is, and that's another thing. You, in order to be able to know, you would have to get every DNA from every juror, every attorney, every witness, every court employee who's ever been around that evidence.
2: So, question though, Lisa, why couldn't they just say, "Hey, if the if the DNA doesn't match, uh, and for the love of God, his name's escaping me, uh, the cop, uh, uh,
1: Jimmy uh, Finell,
2: yeah, if the DNA doesn't match Finell or Reed, then bingo, bango, okay, we're cool and we'll not fight that, and we're good. But why that's go about that's the happening?
1: problem. That is the problem, and you know you have to remember. And I've said this before, Reed's conviction is based on his DNA in Stacy's body, on Stacy's breast, and no evidence of a consensual relationship between them. No evidence that he knew her between 1996, when she was murdered, and 1997, when his DNA popped up. What more DNA do you need? to believe that he killed Stacy Stites. I Unknown mean, DNA agree. on the belt is not going to exonerate him because it's but not going to prove a relationship that... with Stacy. No, no. This is no, what well, makes I'm... me angry about B- Bryce Benjet and the Innocence Project.
0: Lisa,
1: they are accusing I a man with no DNA evidence whatsoever.
2: Lisa, I think you're on nothing. what I'm saying. That's not how it
1: works. That's not how it works. In order to be able, first of all, to do DNA testing at all, it has to have a likelihood of changing the outcome of the case. Unknown DNA on that belt is not going to change the outcome of that case because of the DNA (laughs) in and on Stacy's body, and the additional DNA on Stacy's pants and her back brace that came from Rodney Reed.
2: So then, Lisa, why don't we do it this way? And literally, I'm just asking, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we come in, test the DNA that he wants, say, fuck all the other DNA. Just if I get a hit on Jimmy Finnell, then we can continue. If not, then fuck it
1: no, that's not justice that's not justice for Stacy it's not justice for the citizens of Texas it's certainly, sure as hell not justice for the women in Bastrop County who have been victimized by Rodney Reed Uh, his uh, conviction uh, is based on beyond a reasonable doubt dna evidence in stacy's body on stacy's body on stacy's pants on stacy's back brace
2: but lisa where with you're no losing credible me, evidence I,
1: of a relationship
2: but lisa where you're losing me is if they found jimmy's dna on these items does that not start
0: clouding you?
1: No, because he lived with Stacy. He lived with Stacy. So his DNA could be very well be on her clothing, could very well be on her belt. And again, the additional testing they did on her pants and back brace. It wasn't Jimmy Finnell's DNA that was found. It was Rodney Reed's DNA. Right. You don't get DNA testing just because you're not happy with the result of your trial. And what they want to do is they want to use DNA from these other peripheral things, and they want to try and use it to muddy the waters, and say, "Well, there's unknown DNA and unknown male DNA here or unknown male DNA there." That proves he didn't kill Stacy. Uh-huh. And it doesn't. In fact, the jury knew that there was no evidence tying Reed to that truck. They convicted him. They knew sure. that there was no evidence tying Reed to the scene where Stacy's body was recovered but they convicted him. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, like I said, you you don't get DNA testing just because you're unhappy with the outcome. And all the, quote, evidence that they say they've recovered, it's all smoke and mirrors bullshit. The beer cans, they keep bringing them up but that was settled back in two thousand three, I believe. Reese experts tested those beer cans, got the same result as the state, did further testing and eliminated David Hall, Ed Salmella, and Stacy. But they want to come back and say, Well, David Hall isn't really eliminated because ten out of thirteen alleles match. Okay.
2: I see your point.
1: So, uh, and it's all, I mean, all the relationship stuff. The jury did not believe the relationship evidence. Reed's mother, Reed's brother, they've never testified under oath in any proceeding aside from Reed's bond hearing in 1997. And their testimony obviously was not found to be too credible because Reed was denied bond because it was a capital murder. Right. So, you know, all this stuff, people, all these people like, oh, we should do DNA tests, everything, DNA tests, everything. Well, the technology in, in Reed's case was not available in 1996 They DNA tested everything that they could DNA test. And guess whose DNA they found? Rodney Reed. Between 1996 and 1997, Rodney Reed's name was not mentioned by any friend, co-worker of Stacy. And you can start with all the bullshit, police corruption crap, but Those are just allegations. They're conclusory allegations, and no witnesses who have come forward has said they were threatened or coerced by police to remain silent. Half the people talking about this case don't even know where Stacy and Fennell lived. They don't know who who Fennell worked for because they're constantly saying he was a Georgetown police officer when he was a Giddings police officer. It was in Georgetown later that he got in trouble, and then they bring uh-huh. up what happened in Georgetown in 2007, and yet the five rapes before uh, – the four rapes before Stacey Stites was murdered committed by Roddy Reed, two of which are linked to him by DNA, they don't count because he's never been convicted. Right and they, they allege Jimmy Finnell has this history of abusing women and abusing suspects in his custody and doing all these things, he's never been convicted of anything. Prior to Stacy's murder, he had never been convicted, he had never been arrested, he had never been charged with anything related to girlfriends or suspects in custody or any anything of that nature.
4: Uh-huh.
1: And yet to them, he has a history because he did this in 2007. So he has a history. And because in a documentary, people gave hearsay allegations against him. Right. So, um, so it's likely that civil rights lawsuit probably is not going to um, – Is not going to get very far. It is probably likely going to end up resulting in a stay of Reed's execution in November because even if the federal district court were to quickly dismiss um, the claim, Reed would have a right to review by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal and ultimately a writ to the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So he likely will not be executed in November, barring some very quick handling by the Fifth Circuit um, and the U.S. District Court.
0: Okay.
1: So, uh, and then the TCCA, the Court of Criminal Appeals, is denied, The prosecutor's writ of prohibition, it's more or less moot because the judge did not take any action on Reed's motion to dismiss, which were why the the district attorney filed the writ of prohibition.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: So, and then Swearingen, uh, new writs have been filed on August 8th, 9th, and 12th. And a motion was filed on August 12th. Uh, the description doesn't say what type of motion it is. Uh, it could be a motion to dismiss by the state or a motion for a stay of execution of 821 on behalf of Swearingen.
0: Uh huh.
1: So we'll have to see how that goes. Okay. And I apologize. I just oh, the you're fine. the the people that think Rodney Reed or anybody is entitled to DNA testing are just aggravate me especially when the conviction's based on DNA in the first place.
2: Right, right.
1: Um, but no, what, and what they're talking about, they're, mis, they're kind of misconstruing. What the Court of Criminal Appeal has said is that because a lot of the evidence that Reed wants to subject to touch DNA has not been properly stored, was not handled at trial, with gloved hands. There is a possibility that some or all of that evidence has become contaminated with DNA unrelated to the murder case. Uh-huh. And so that's one of the one of the reasons, one of the grounds for denying DNA testing, because you have to prove that it has not been contaminated. And Reed can't prove that because it wasn't proper. Properly handled, and he wants to subject it to a type of testing that is susceptible to having an irrelevant DNA results due to the passage of time. Okay. And the exposure of that evidence over so many years. And that's perfectly reasonable, um, you know, that's a perfectly reasonable position. So, Um, like I said, the reason it was handled that way was because at that time, there was no such thing as touch DNA. So you didn't have to, you know, you didn't have to worry about leaving your DNA on something. And most cases in the 90s, they didn't handle. Once it was subjected to testing and everything that could be tested was tested, then, you know, everybody handled it barehanded.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. Um, all right. Well, we want to get – let's get into Edward Edwards and – We're going to go through as many of these alleged murders as we can.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, It's a lot. And it's crazy because, uh, you know, Edwards just was just running all over the country. Just killing people. So, uh, I will tell you um, I just
2: messaged Brad. He is holding on the line. He said give him a minute so I'll let him know what case we get on whenever he gets uh whenever he gives me the signal. But I know he does want okay. so I did give you a heads up on that. Okay. But let's go ahead cool. and get right to it, the Lord knows there's about fifty of these some bitches.
1: Yeah. All right. So the first one we're gonna pick up with nineteen fifty four, Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, Jimmy Bremers, who was a child, he had gone to a friend's house. And when it was time to go home, he was last seen standing alone near a tree by his friend's porch. Uh And that's the last time anybody saw him. His body was found on, this was on August 13th. 1954. His body was found on September 29th, 1954. Now, one thing I want to note, August 13th is not around any Christian holidays. (laughs) It's not around any significant days. It's not Edwards' birthday or his mama's birthday or his auntie's cousin's sister's birthday. (laughs) So, you know, I, I, you know. Again, he speaks in absolutes, and then some of his own evidence refutes the absolutes. Uh, then the next on. one is nineteen, <laughs> nineteen fifty-five in Berkeley, California. Uh, also, let me say what I'm going to do is I'm going to say whether a murder remains unsolved or whether it has been solved. Okay. And then uh, next week we'll talk about the alleged wrongful convictions. Uh, Jimmy gonna... Bremer's was solved mm-hmm. in
2: 1954. Okay. Uh, um, any particular damning evidence that made it solved? Just wondering. That can be a yes or a no. You don't have to tell me what it is till next week. Just wondering.
1: Uh, A confession.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Which was later challenged, but, you know, a confession. Um,
0: Okay. From someone
1: who's confirmed to have actually been in Sioux City on August thirteenth, 1954.
2: You know, instead of just somebody who could have, you know, just fucking then had
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I note on the 1993 letter that Edwards wrote to the FBI seeking his records, mm-hmm. uh he does not list ever having lived in Iowa.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah. Uh Berkeley
2: Iowa was kind of an oddity in
1: this case. Yeah. Uh Berkeley, California uh the murder of Suzanne Bryan. She was a teenager. Uh she was last seen walking home from school uh-huh. in the Berkeley area. And um her body was found This was on April 28th that she was last seen. Her body was found July 20th, 1955, in Weaverville, California, near a cabin owned by a man by the name of Burton Abbott. Also, in Abbott's house, some of Stephanie's possessions were found. Right. His mother initially found them didn't connect them to the disappearance of Stephanie Bryan, and then his wife found them, connected him to the disappearance, and apparently turned them over to police. And that was in the basement of Burton Abbott's house. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that's all pretty damning.
0: Yeah.
2: So, how, uh, another thing I wanted you to do is uh, let me know how John, because John didn't speak of some of these. How did John connect Edward? Well,
1: to that point? John claims basically that Edwards killed Stephanie Bryan and then planted uh, planted the evidence in Burton Abbott's house.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But okay. there's no corroboration for that. Um, yes, Burton Abbott denied responsibility, who wouldn't? And um, But he never had an explanation for how her belongings came to be in the basement of his house or how her body was found near the cabin. And he said that when she disappeared, he was driving to the cabin.
4: He just didn't
1: say that he had her body in his car or her in his car at the time. He was driving to the cabin.
2: So is this another case? Things that were past her. Is this another case? Uh, Cameron says he did it because she reminded him of Dahlia.
1: She had no. She had some kind of nursing textbooks.
0: Oh, okay. And she and
1: and, and she thought she was a nurse. Some goofy some of the most goofy stuff. Well, I was about to say, imagine...
0: <laughs> he comes imagine up, he comes
1: up with some of the most goofy things. You know, yeah. I don't know. Maybe her dad was an accountant for uh, the Deer the Lodge you. prison. Or No, he right. hadn't gone to Deer Lodge yet. Sorry about that. Uh, he was, a oh. you know, a, an accountant at Chillicothe. Okay. I don't know. Um, that's another thing that I don't, as far as Cameron goes... He has a a habit of saying he inserted himself in their lives, he groomed them.
0: Yeah. He,
1: you know, but if he's inserting himself into so many victims' lives, why aren't we seeing Edward Edwards or one of his aliases as a person of interest that police wanted to talk to and maybe never found?
2: Good point. Good point. I mean, I would completely. That's a that's a damn good point there, Lisa. I mean, you would think, hey, there was this guy who just happened to start coming around, and she just started talking about him. I wonder what's going on there. You know that that makes sense to me, but once again, and it's not just. I mean, he.
1: You know why would he target? Why would he target the people that he allegedly framed? Why is he targeting? Him? Why is he targeting Bur- Bur- Burton Abbott to frame him for a murder that Edwards committed?
2: Right. Well, I mean... And he so, again... He does go into some of the reasoning. Like I said, uh, Lacey, for example, Scott was targeted because of his affair.
1: Well, that's kind of stupid. I, okay. I mean, you don't kill the innocent, wronged wife for the husband's affair. If the husband's having an affair, maybe you kill the just as guilty girlfriend or you kill the husband.
2: I mean, I guess I guess, in the world, according
1: you to... You don't, don't kill him, the right? one person in the triangle who didn't do shit to nobody.
2: I would agree. I mean, I guess his thinking is that it punishes it punishes Scott by putting him on death row I guess is the only thing I can think of
1: yeah but damn it punishes Lacey by killing her and killing her baby
2: oh I agree I mean at the end of the day too what the hell did three boys from West Memphis do to get you know set up for three boys murders you know, in the in the world, according to John Cameron, Ed Edwards picked these three boys. I mean, you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. We got
2: to roll our eyes at some of it, but, you know, hey, we can pretend.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So the next one is um, Sioux City, Iowa. Uh, again, so he's in 1955, July 10th or 11th. Edwards goes back to Sioux City, Iowa and kidnaps a 22-month-old baby and then kills her and leaves her body across the state line in Nebraska. And that one remains unsolved.
2: And it's another oddity. Uh, Idaho,
0: what
1: the hell? <laughs> Iowa. Or,
2: excuse me, Iowa. Iowa, but still. The other, uh, the other I, mean, these the other I state. Really don't <laughs> these Midwestern <laughs> ones really don't make sense compared with the other ones. They don't really fit into me. Uh, how does John yeah. like this
1: one? Are? That one's just kind of a footnote. A lot like Jimmy Brummer's. It's just kind of a footnote for him.
2: Oh, so he just kinda couldn't find enough bullshit to make a <laughs> negative
1: Right. It, yeah. He impossible. he doesn't he doesn't really tie anything uh that I saw. And then Idaho Falls, Idaho, where potatoes come from, uh, nineteen fifty five, October fourteenth. He supposedly murders girlfriend or maybe wife, Verna Doe. Uh, This one's unconfirmed because, you know, I I don't think Cameron knew a maiden name for Verna. I think Verna is in Cameron's book – I mean, not Cameron's book, is in uh, Edwards' book, and so he's just presuming Edwards murdered her.
2: Okay, so he is actually connected to the Idaho to Verna. He is actually no, no, to
1: I don't know if Verna even really exists.
2: oh okay,
1: to be brutally honest, I don't know if I mean, Verna really he defies, existed. He may have he defies, talked about someone named Verna in his book. Edwards talked about someone named Verna in his book. She was a girlfriend, she may have gotten pregnant um. I you know like I said he some of his book is stuff he did or he claims to have done Mhm. And then some of its metaphors for other things. Right. Um like I said it it his book and Cameron's book are both very poorly written and I could only take reading one poorly written book. So I went ahead and read Cameron's and with uh, metamorphosis, I just looked at stuff that Cameron claimed showed foreshadowing of a murder in the future, which to me is just stupid, crazy. uh And um, for him to believe that in 1973 or 1971, or 1970, Edward Edwards is foreshadowing Chandra Levy's murder or Lacey Peterson's murder is crazy stupid.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Or Teresa well, Hallbuck's uh, murder. Absolutely. Well, we do have uh, Brad coming on right now. I just messaged him. We're talking about Bernard right now, uh, Brad, but – yeah, I mean, this is the first one that we're actually, you know, able to say, hey, at least Edwards said that he was involved with somebody named Verna Doe.
1: No, he was involved with somebody named Verna. But I don't think he ever said what her last name was. Well, so her I've last Bell, name may not be name. Doe. <laughs> I think Cameron gave her Doe because sure. he didn't know a last name. But this is the thing, we can't confirm that there was a murder or not. We
2: can't confirm that he's a real person.
1: Correct. And even if he said he was involved with somebody named Verna in his book, that may not have been a real name. Makes sense. So – Brad? And – Hello, Brad. Can we go ahead and just put the
3: Rodney Reed thing to bed and just go ahead and say Ed Edwards did it? I mean.
0: uh,
3: No. I just No, we're I mean, not going gonna... to. That's how ludicrous this all is. Uh, you, you mentioned and he mentions being involved with someone in a book. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure as unique as Verna is, I'm pretty sure there's Multiple Vernas in the world, um, and I think that right. this whole thing is has been grasping at straws for for Cameron. Uh, I don't know. Did he write another book? I'm just I'm just curious because I saw there was another book on his page that I had, hadn't seen before.
1: Metamorphosis of a criminal Metamorphosis of a criminal criminal is actually written by Edward Edward.
3: So is that the one, It's Always Been
1: Me? No, that's Cameron's book. Edwards wrote I, a book called Metamorphosis of a Criminal.
2: Right. I think, I, I think he may have so wrote a it follow-up, is. Lisa, too. It, it, what, it's me, Edward James Edwards, or Edward, whatever the fuck, Edwards.
0: Well, oh, as yeah.
3: Is, I'm just name Eddie Van Halen, I'm just saying. Oh. That's what I'm gonna revert to, refer to you, man.
0: I mean, this guy's
3: this guy's like a mastermind. But anyway, no, I, I mean, I listened yeah. to these cases and I got your outline and I kind of looked at him. <laughs> I mean, I, I still am in shock. And like I said, you know, nothing against Mr. Cameron at all. Um, you know, when I talked to him, it was it was not on the basis of whether I believed him or not. I just wanted him to get his story out there, you know, and let the people decide whether they wanted to believe or not. But,
0: uh, Brad, I need to
2: only I think we made it. Sounds lost like
0: Brad is. Brad. Yeah, I'm not sure. Radio. Yeah.
2: I'm not sure if he's at work or what's going on, but I'll let him message me back when he, uh, message me on Facebook, Brad, whenever you, uh, get whatever's going on with your phone. I know I heard something crackle and then just nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I heard some calling. I heard a radio calling Brad.
2: Oh, maybe that's what it was because I know he is at work, so maybe maybe he had to toss the phone down really quick to go take care of whatever yeah. was going on. I mean, he's right. Probably honestly. so. You laugh about it, but he's right. If all of these are true, then Ed Edwards is the fucking Michael Jordan of serial killers.
1: Well, no, and, and our, our, point, our point here is to uh, kind of debunk this. Um, oh,
2: yes, absolutely. That's why we laugh so much, ladies and gentlemen, is because some of this stuff gets laughable. And I know we're getting very close to the territory where he committed his first infamous murders. So I'm going to continue on, let you continue on. Well, till, uh, he, we no,
1: he committed – he committed the infamous murder in 1947.
2: Oh, true, yeah. Black and
1: 1946. Yeah. yeah. And Suzanne Degnan. Yeah. Because that's a young child that he killed and supposedly dismembered and then spread her remains through uh, the streets and a sewer.
2: Well, of course, so, he had um, a free to John because he knew who John Bonet was at that point.
1: Right, exactly exactly yeah he knew in 1971 that a little blonde girl named Jean Benet, which is the weirdest freaking name um it really so is so the next um so that's uh the next one is in 1955 in October uh Robert Peterson John Schlusser and Anton Schlusser, who were killed in 1955 in October 16th and 17th. Their bodies were found in a wooded area. Um, Cold Case Cameron has a picture uh, that looks like a form of a cross to him. Mm -hmm. Which, to me, it does not look anything like a form of a cross. It looks oh, like, is basically,
0: this the, is this the Robin Boys? they
1: were killed, Robin, they were stripped, whatever. their bodies were dumped. They were killed somewhere else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, their bodies were dumped. Uh, they were taking a train to the Loop in Chicago to see a movie. Mm-hmm. And their naked and battered, battered bodies turned up two days later. In a ditch near a northwest side bridle path. Um, okay. I don't see anything official calling it Robin Robinson Woods or whatever.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, Let me see if I can find this picture of this quote-unquote cross because I do remember Robinson's you make a point Woods. saying
1: that. Yeah, Robinson's Wood.
2: Okay, that's that, that, where the that, bodies were found. Okay, Sioux City, Iowa? That, that, no, that, that, this that, is that,
1: Chicago, that, Illinois. That,
2: that. Oh, no, I found it. Okay, so I see the picture, and I mean, I guess maybe a cross. I mean, the one boy is laying over the other two boys' laps.
1: I just don't see that as a cross.
2: Oh no! I mean, <laughs> like I said, uh, like I said, uh, it looks like it looks kind of crazy, and I guess we got Brad back. Uh, he told me he he got a call on the radio, so you heard it right. He got a call on the radio, Lisa. But uh, Brad, if you're with us
0: now, uh, we're
2: on the uh, boys that I guess set up the West Memphis Three kill. So his original West Memphis Three boys.
3: Ah, I, I I vaguely remember that, because that was one of the things, that was the, really the main topic I wanted to talk with him about, and we discussed it a little bit at, at length, but uh, I remember that case. Um, there was some kind of, wasn't it Lisa or Michael, do you not remember, wasn't there some kind of satanic uh, uh, thing involved with that that translated into the West Memphis Three with the whole pyramid and...
1: The triangle. You know, like- that again that's that there that there were three victims. The three victims' ages were they were actually older than Chris, Michael, and Steve. Um they were 14, 13, and eleven. They were going oh, so downtown hard. to see a a movie matinee. The African Lion. Uh Hours later, they hadn't returned, uh, so the family, of course, called police. And then mm-hmm. it was about the 18th or the 17th that their bodies were found in a ditch at the side of the road naked. Cause of death was strangulation. Um, well,
3: Michael just They had the been held captive.
1: And Robert Peterson had been slashed across the head 14 times. Hmm. Uh, The crime was unsolved until 1995. Okay. So if Edwards was framing somebody, he did a shitty job.
3: I mean, you know, he was off
1: that night <laughs> because it took him 40 years to find the guy he was framing.
0: All right. Um,
2: so – I just sent yeah. the picture, so now I've got to get Yeah, I saw out. that.
3: I am um, – I, like I, I had to double check. The, does it, well, let me look at that one more time, because that's not... I mean, I guess you could say that if you wanted to, but the the original thought that went through my head was as I thought maybe you were making a comparison to uh, the... I mean, it's eerily... I mean, I can see the similarity when you look at the body photos as to kind of going back, if you just kind of glance at it, you would think you're looking at what happened in West Memphis, but I mean You know that is a good point know. though.
1: No, but, but, but in West Memphis no, sure the boys were really placed in a ditch underwater. Not you know. they weren't left on the side of the road. No, no in the I'm open. Just saying with
0: the
3: bodies when you when you look at the bodies. That's the I thought Michael had sent me like a you know one of those comparative things that maybe Cameron put together. Yeah, but the but the problem friends
1: with friends. that is that the victim's bodies, if anything, I mean, where police placed them when they took them out of the ditch.
3: Right.
2: And no,
1: no, no. And
3: I'm
2: not you where, placed, and where
1: right? they were placed in the ditch, Michael was like 25 feet above right. where Steve and Chris were next to each other. So there's no similarity to the way the bodies were handled. And there's certainly no no similarity in causes of death.
3: No, no. I'm just saying from a visual perspective, I just see three – and it could be that you see three – Well, yeah, but there's no visualizing –
1: there's no visualizing the boys in the ditch – Under the water.
2: Well, well, I mean, just (laughs) looking at it, Lisa, I think what Brad has going through his head is the opening scene from uh, Paradise Lost, when you know you see the boy and
1: on the uh, bank where the police placed him when they recovered him from the ditch. Yeah, but you can't attribute that to Edwards, because Edwards didn't do that. The police placed them on the ditch bank near where they were found in the creek. Right. Or in the ditch. So. Well, I mean, I think,
2: right, think it's kind of
0: like. On. it's just, I think it's kind of like a photograph. At it's kinda
2: kind of kind of looking at it like John John made. Well,
1: and also the boys, I mean, uh, the boys in um, in Chicago weren't bound.
3: No, they weren't. I mean, I just want to find John Cameron's drug dealer because I really could use some of that.
1: Uh, that might be schizophrenia, babe.
3: Well, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what we want to call you it. You don't right? need
1: no drugs. You don't need no drugs for that. <laughs> Your brain does that I mean, all this, on its own.
3: I mean, this guy's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I could see where you could get like a like a a, a tenth of a percent. Uh, in some of these cases but not enough to, to warrant what you're claiming. I mean that to
2: me. Right.
1: And so, so I mean, I'm, I'm looking, looking now, this... I'm I'm looking at the picture and it actually looks like these are where the the Chicago victims these are where the bodies fell when they were thrown out of a vehicle. Okay. These are these are where they, they right? fell, this is oh, where they know. landed. There was no placement a victim. So what was
3: the motive in that murder? Just Do you know? Uh,
1: apparently, the person who was eventually arrested four years later, uh, he was apparently having sex with two younger boys. He had sent, I believe it was Robert Peterson, who was the oldest, out of the barn
0: mm-hmm.
1: and... When Robert came back in and saw what, what he was doing, he threatened to call the cops and tell the cops, and being gay in 1955 was a bad, bad, bad situation. And yeah, bad, so too. he had to kill them all. Uh, oh yeah, I got Yeah. Mean... But we'll get into that so... more, um, more next week. Lisa,
2: what I want to ask you before we move on from this case, because I know we do got to move on, but what I wanted to ask you is you mentioned that you were going to, you know, uh, explain the whole – it could, it may not have been that they said Ed. It may have been that they said Ken. Uh, was the guy who ended up getting uh, quote-unquote frames for this named Ken?
1: Kenneth Hansen. Correct. Okay. Okay, and he you worked he at a was... he worked at a stable
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that was near where the bodies were found. that I believe, right. as I recall from reading, <laughs> that the boys used to go to the stable because stables have horses, and stables a lot of times have cute young girls. Who love horses right, and so um he uh you know he he took his opportunity to molest and abuse the two younger boys after sending the older boy away, and the older boy caught him, and he had to eliminate everybody.
0: And that's also okay.
1: consistent with uh one of the boys had been beaten pretty severely, and the other two were strangled
2: right right,
1: so that's consistent with him being caught in the act and you know having to having to cover it up and beating the one kid that you know was gonna was threatening him. And then killing, eliminating the other two. As
2: well, I mean, it also explains why they would get in the vehicle with them.
1: Correct, because he knew him. Yeah. And frankly, he may have been he may have been abusing the younger boys for even a longer period of time. There's no evidence of that. It's speculation, but so. um... Now this is an interesting note on his uh his um, Edwards bio. supposedly mm-hmm. he kills Bernardeau October 14th, right, And then on October twentieth, he marries uh, Jeanette White, who mm-hmm. I think he later killed, according to Cameron.
0: Of
2: course he did. He killed everybody, Lisa.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh anyway. Uh, well, you know, uh, something I thought of when I was driving over more tonight, why didn't he link Kaylee Anthony to Edwards?
2: Why didn't he link Nicole Brown Simpson to Edwards?
1: That's true. That one I don't understand either. All right, so let's move on. Um, Grinnell, Iowa. Uh, Chief Waldo Johnson's wife and son were attacked on the night of October twenty-first, 1955. Now, this is interesting. Um, Edward uh, Cameron makes a reference to some other police person named Waldo who is a an officer from his past when he was a kid the excerpt that he quotes from Edward's book is from actually the 1940s when he was living with his mother
3: okay
1: so okay. Um, he says it's about a kidnapping in 1954, but I, it's so confusing. Ed, both books are so bad, it's confusing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, so that one, um, there really isn't anything to tie it to Edward Edwards it was in Grinnell, Iowa. Um, the the Waldo Johnson in Grinnell, Iowa, was not the same Waldo that Edwards was referring to. So how he could connect these two things, I have no idea. It's a mystery. I wonder sometimes how he found some of these things. True.
0: True.
1: So. Uh, And then the next one is uh, Omaha, Nebraska, December 10th, 1955. Carolyn Nevins was shot dead on the university campus in Omaha on December 9th, 1955. I have December 10th on my notes, but I have an article here that says December 9th. This one, never solved.
3: Okay.
1: So, um, she was shot. No, I really don't think so, because, um, there's just, there's nothing that says we're looking for one of his uh, aliases, we're looking for somebody, um, I just I don't see how we don't have any corroboration that Edwards was in Omaha, Nebraska.
2: Okay.
1: He does not list Nebraska as one of the places he lived in his nineteen ninety three letter.
2: Now question Lisa real um, quick before uh before we move on. One thing I've been meaning to ask you. When did he write Metamorphosis? What year?
1: Probably between nineteen seventy. It was published in seventy two. Um he may have started writing it in sixty nine or there sixty eight, sixty nine, thereabouts. Okay. After he was he released from prison.
2: He wasn't on this tour that John Clinty did yet. That's what all I want. No,
1: to I don't know. think that he, he would be I think he did – initially, I think he did hold himself out as some kind of motivational speaker, but everything Cameron lists, advertising, his motor, motivational speeches, have been in Ohio or Pennsylvania, western oh. Pennsylvania.
2: Wow. So
1: he may one. have been traveling in that area mm-hmm. as a motivational speaker, but I don't – I. Nothing Cameron put up showed him speaking in Chicago or Iowa or Nebraska. And this long predates that. Right. All these murders are before then. So – and this is actually just prior to his incarceration in, like, 1956 at Deer Lodge Prison. The final murder right. we have is Patty Kalitsky and Dwayne Vogel, January 2nd or January 3rd of 1956 in Great, Ma- Va- Great Falls, Montana. It was a Lover's Lane murder. It remains unsolved. <coughs> in uh, correspondence with uh, Cameron, Edwards specifically denied ever killing anybody in Montana. He committed some armed robberies in Montana. Um, He was going through the uh, western U.S., Nevada, several states uh, committing armed robberies. But he denied killing anybody.
2: I apologize, Lisa. I was just going to ask, is this the original murder that he – States
0: that
1: he connected Ed to? Correct. Correct. Yes. This is the original murder that he claimed he connected Edwards to because it does coincide with the time that Edwards was in Montana.
0: Okay.
1: Um, Lloyd Dwayne Bogle was an airman and he was found uh, they were he and Patty Kalitsky were on a lover's lane in Wadsworth Park Boggle was lying next to the car his hands were tied behind his back using his own belt and he'd been shot through the head The ignition was still on. Uh, His 16-year-old girlfriend, Patty Kalitsky, was found um, the next day northwest of the city, and she had also been shot through the head. There were no signs of sexual assault.
2: Now, Lisa, I know you're going to look at me like I have two heads, so prepare yourself. But I will say this based upon what you've just told me, if they can link Edwards to that, I could somewhat get in the ballpark. I might be in the nosebleed, but I'll be in the ballpark of Zodiac.
1: Well, he hasn't been linked.
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. If they can somehow unequivocally... put
1: put that on him, that sounds very Zodiac-like. Well, yeah, but, you know, I think even before Zodiac, this kind of thing happened.
0: Okay.
1: Carol Chessman in California did the same thing. Son of Sam, in the 1970s, did the same thing. He killed people parked in cars, killed men and women who were parked in cars. It's not unique to Zodiac.
2: Yes, that does. You know, yes, the lover's lane part of it and all that did get me to start thinking. But what really kind of pushed me over the edge on that one was the fact that he used his own belt to tie him up.
1: No, Boggle was tied with his own belt.
2: No, that's what I'm saying. Boggle used... No, Boggle used used Boggle's belt.
1: To tie Boggle up.
2: And wasn't that a Zodiac thing? Using their possessions to tie him up?
1: Well, I mean, again, that's not necessarily... If you don't go... If you don't go expecting to find somebody planning to tie them up, you don't bring your own rope. You use what's at hand. You use something to victim. And it's actually smarter to use something belonging to the victim rather than bringing something from outside and using it. Right. So you don't Maybe use something that can be tied to you. Um have been around this you know yeah I I th- you know, I think zodiac way. I think zodiac, yeah, zodiac tied people up with their own shoelaces belts, we whatever, but that's actually not a counterintuitive thing to do,
2: so question then Lisa, you being the uh thinking individual the uh the uh smart person on law and stuff. If they were able to connect Edwards to this unequivocally and say it was Ed Edwards, would you be in the ballpark with Zodiac like
0: I would be? No. Okay. I still
1: okay. would not, because in order to be for me to be in the ballpark, I need some kind of hard evidence, corroboration of Edwards even living in. San Francisco or some in one of the surrounding areas at that time. One of the problems I think too is Cameron took this list that Edwards sent the FBI and then he right. searched for unsolved murders in these locations and elsewhere. But his letter to the FBI does not say when he lived. In any of these these locations. Okay. So he lived in California. In San Francisco. And Oakland. Or no Oakland and Sacramento. At one time. But we don't know when. And the right. reason I discount him for Dahlia. Is because he never lived in Long Beach. San Diego. Santa Barbara. Or Los Angeles. Which are the four towns. Where he would have encountered Elizabeth Short. Right. Um, He never lived in Illinois. Uh, He never lived in Nebraska.
2: By the way, I'm going to throw this out there. I completely apologize for throwing us off the rails on some of this. (laughs) I just looked at the clock at how much time we got left, and I was like, son of a bitch. We got off the rails, but honestly, though, I when, know when you did say that. When you did say that about this last one, the Lovers Lane and Deer Park, I can, I can at least see.
1: Great Fall.
2: See John making the. I can see John making the assumption.
1: Yeah, but again, well, you know, yeah, you make the assumption because he happened to live in the area, but I mean, he's an ex-con. He's not supposed to have a firearm. Now, granted, he did have firearms for robberies, so... Well,
2: I mean, I was about to say, that's like saying... That's like saying that any ex-con doesn't own a weapon, let's be honest here.
1: Right. Right. Uh, He shouldn't have, because he gets caught, and that's going to be his ass. Um, Although, back in those days, it probably wasn't as bad. Uh, It's not really that bad now. Um But, no, I I think short of them apprehending him and recovering a weapon that ballistically linked him to the murders, him being in Great Falls does not mean that he committed the murder. And that's the problem.
0: I mean, it's...
1: If uh, you know, I if came if of Cameron way. could, well, I yeah, was, I, the page I was looking at had a freaking commercial on it. Um, oh. You know, if Cameron could place him within a hundred miles of a of a location, he said he committed murder.
2: Right. Which I mean, maybe a hundred miles may have been a little bit different back then, but I mean, a hundred miles today is. A 45-minute trip, maybe an hour. I mean, that's not uh, right. a, a possibility in my thinking. But as far as, like, right. like, I can see if John truly believes that he committed Great Falls, I can see where John gets that he may have been so And
1: zodiacal. bottom bottom line is that he specifically denied committing murder in Great Falls. To John Cameron True. several times.
2: True, and I mean I would say what murderer is going to admit it? But if you believe John's theory, hell, Edwards he, wanted to be killed
1: multiple times. He, he said he, he wanted pledged, a death
2: penalty, He so. had
1: he had pled to he had pled guilty to uh to two murders in Wisconsin, one in Wisconsin, one in Ohio, and he pled murder murder. Blah, Pled guilty to a death-eligible murder in Ohio.
2: So it's not like he would. So what's he worried about? Like great would ball- by
0: it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I
0: see. Yeah, you and if he really wanted mind. to
1: play, and if he wanted to really play games with the system, admit it, and then they extradite his ass to Montana, and then admit something else, and they extradite his ass there. And it he could play that totally game with literally. law enforcement,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: so I mean, um, and that's another allegation that the only reason Cameron the only reason Edward started writing Cameron and his friend Neil is because he didn't right. want them to screw up his death penalty, oh really, again, he's talking about Edward's state of mind, Edward's motives, Edward's intent, and he doesn't even know the man.
2: So Ed really did want the death penalty. That part is true.
1: Yeah, he did really want it. Ed, but how? You know, and I don't the see death how.
2: So bad though. If Ed wanted the death penalty so bad, why didn't he stop it, Zodiac? Because I'm sure Zodiac would get to the, the death penalty.
1: I think he he wanted the death penalty in 2009 because he had cancer.
2: Oh, okay.
1: And so. He
2: cheap way of getting taken out.
1: Yeah. But it ended up the cancer got him before before he could be executed.
2: Right, right. And once end, alert. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, I threw I threw us off the rails again. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because I do feel like it's important. This is the first time where yeah. I had a moment of clarity and I was like Okay, I can kind of see where he's connecting Ed to zodiac based upon this one.
1: Yeah. But so So
2: in my opinion, but I, you would know, I,
1: I Again, it's just uh it, it's speculative. It's speculative. Even the connection to zodiac. But we'll get into that oh, later. I,
2: Absolutely. Okay.
1: Okay. The next case we have is Irene Garza. She was murdered in, excuse me, McAllen, Texas, which is near, it's in Hidalgo County in the southern, southeastern Texas, I think around Houston, close to Houston, right, on April 16th, 1960. She was a teacher and a beauty queen. She was last seen on uh, April 16th going to confession at a church in McAllen, Texas. She was reported missing the following morning. The largest search, volunteer search to date of the Rio Grande Valley was conducted. And on April 21st, her body was discovered in a canal. She had been sexually assaulted and then suffocated. Apparently, evidence was was found at the crime scene, Mm -hmm. and um, it was some kind of picture viewer, like a viewmaster. You have no idea what that is?
0: No, I do. Oh, you do? Yes.
1: Okay. So, um, uh, Garza was a second grade teacher at the time of her death. Um, I don't know quite where the, uh, I don't know quite where the picture viewer was found. Mm hmm. Um, the case went cold. Mm hmm. And, um, so again, Edwards was trying to frame a priest for the murder, but the priest was not tried until 2016.
2: Okay. So he did. A oh no, job.
1: 2017. So he did a shitty job. Okay. So, so no, actually, in a couple murders. of these, in a couple of these murders, where priests were involved, or believed uh-huh. to have been involved, or were suspects. Uh, the church actually stepped in. Okay. So here's and my thing
2: with this one. Here's my thing interfered. with this one, Lisa. I call yeah. bullshit on this one because of the sexual assault. None of the other ones, unless I'm mistaken, had sexual assault.
1: Correct?
2: I could be wrong. Any of the others had sexual assault. Well, so Schlusser and, and, and
1: Yeah. And Garza's is Garza's a single victim,
2: right? That's true too.
1: Um, and this is another this is another place where Cameron's theory kind of goes off the rail. Serial killers do tend to stick to a type, a victim type. Now, in some of the Lovers well, Lane cases, the the target could have been the woman, and the man was just collateral damage. Absolutely. Because the opportunity came up while she was with him. They could be triangles or unrequited love situations.
2: Right, right.
1: Where a guy likes the girl... The girl doesn't return his affections, and so he has to kill her and kill his oh rival. That's really-
0: um,
1: and, and see, that's what they, these really young children, um, that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. Suzanne Dagnan, for it to be Edwards, Suzanne Dagnan, Jimmy Bremers. Donna Sue Davis. Th- those make no sense to me. These are young children, well, I mean, and there's no connection John, to the families.
2: John Binet makes no sense. Uh, when you think about it, Lacey makes no sense. Uh, right. Zodiac, right. like I said, I mean, Zodiac, I'm in the ballpark, but assuming that he did break uh, <clears> late. late. But, uh, but, I mean, these kids. Great.
1: No. Falls. I mean, the Great right, falls. falls. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> you're right.
2: The kids, the kids make no sense. West Memphis, according to him, is completely a uh, ritualistic thing. And, you know, we'll get into that next week, so I'm not going to take much of the time talking about that. But, yeah, you're right. The kids make no damn sense.
1: Yeah. So, um, the next case is the murders of Larry Payton and Beverly Allen? Um, they were killed in Portland, Oregon, on November 26, 1960. Uh, Larry Payton was found immediately; he had been stabbed to death. He there he had a gun, and there's evidence that he fired the gun, but apparently did not hit. Whoever was attacking them, um, then Beverly Allen's body was not found for several weeks. I think it was about six weeks, um, and her body was found some distance away. In uh, let me see, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to figure out where uh, she was found. And she was found uh, by highwaymen 30 miles west of Portland on on Sunset Highway. Uh, This case also was not solved for about eight years. So, again, Edward's efforts. And one of the interesting things on these cases that were solved uh, where someone was eventually arrested. Edwards' name does not play into it. And again, we'll get into that next week when we talk about those cases. But Edwards' right. name did not play into it. Uh, it was other factors that led to the um arrest. And Edwards was actually he was found near the scene where Larry where the vehicle was found. Right. The Payton vehicle, and he was questioned and ruled out because he had been um, he had been out of the area on November twenty seventh and November twenty sixth and twenty seventh. Now there's another murder, Wayne Buddy, a B U D D E. I'm just going to pronounce it Buddy. Uh, He was in the service, and he went AWOL, or he was out on leave the 27th. Um, He was due back, or the 26th, the 27th, and he was due back on the 28th. He never came back. His body was discovered having been blown up on January twenty third, 1961, in the Astoria area. I don't know how far from where uh, Beverly Allen's body was discovered Um, he's also listed as another victim of Edwards but more likely than not he very well could have been the perpetrator um, Uh. of this because he went he was on leave the day the murders happened away from the base he didn't come back on the twenty eighth, and he's found near where, um, near where Beverly was discovered, having been blown up by TNT. Okay. Um, and there, you know, there's no evidence tying him to Edwards. There's no evidence that Edwards knew either Peyton or Allen. No evidence he knew Buddy. Uh no evidence of him having any access to explosives, but somebody in the Navy I think could probably have access to explosives so or he could have been just you know trying to do something you know like dumb and and ended up blowing himself up. I don't know. You still there, Michael?
2: Right. Yes, okay. ma'am, I'm listening. I'm trying not to butt in.
1: <laughs> All right. So uh, the next one is in Cross Village uh, or Good Heart, Michigan, and this is the murder of the Robeson family. Richard, Shirley, Richard Jr., Gary, Randall, and Susan. The family was on a vacation in um i think it's this i think this' is on Lake Michigan near the Mackinac Straits right, and they were on vacation they were getting ready to go to Florida, so there was like a note on the house that they were gonna be gone for a while uh apparently sometime during the night. Uh, of July 27th, someone came into the house and shot all of the victims. Susan and Richard Robeson were bludgeoned with a hammer that was found at the murder scene. Ouch. Uh, the the Shirley's body was staged to make it look like a sexual assault. There were bloody footprints that led uh, investigators to believe that one person committed murders. It took 27 days for the bodies to be discovered. So this was June 27th, June 28th. The bodies weren't discovered until the 27th of July because everybody thought they were leaving town to go to Florida, and it wasn't until the neighbors started to smell that realized something had gone on at the house and discovered the murders. Right. So this case was also solved after about uh, six months of investigation. Uh, An employee of Richard Robeson's named Scolaro was mm-hmm. identified. And once again, no sign that he was identified by Edward Edwards. Um the factors that led to him becoming a suspect were uh had nothing to do with Edwards informing or anything like that. Okay. So, now we get to Zodiac. And the first thing Uh, I want to say about Zodiac, Uh, uh, only one of Zodiac's coded messages has been officially solved.
2: Right, absolutely. That is a good... And
1: when you read that message, there are some misspellings. However, it's relatively... Cogent, it makes sense. Um, There's a message, and the message is clear. But in the ciphers that allegedly have been solved by... uh, Others, including Cameron's friend Neil, you get things mm-hmm. like "I am, I'm Edward E, vexed IQ, happy you greater than I."
2: I know what you're saying, but huh?
0: Uh,
1: that basically, that
2: makes
0: no
1: sense.
2: Right, basically, huh? I get your point. The other thing that I see that kind of, you know, I know I said I'm in the ballpark, but the thing that also, you know, uh, kind of makes me question Edward's involvement in Zodiac 2 is the fact that he did send out letters. This is the first time Ed decides to con the police.
1: Well, no, but I, the thing is, there's no evidence that Ed sent any of these letters. Okay? Right. I mean,. When you look closely at the dates on, uh, on um, Cameron's site, you've got him committing a murder and then the next day going across the country to mail a Zodiac letter? Okay, let me give you one of the 340, his, one of his ciphers that Cameron's friends solved. I have noticed all of the editors with two T's, evil, E-V-O-L, names are off. They use letters to shit me. I doctored them as pristine rather than invest triage perennially. They may serve so sex leads, L-E-D-E-S, to the great age of evil reasoning. Mean, raw, hates me to cry out at a fruit of sin. Fruit is spelled F R U T E. You try real fit to fight it, but raw fires drill hot. I have melody to steal unto night a trill of life tears. I've the solution to my next life's going for eternity. Now, their claim is that Edward's name is 13 characters or 18 characters, and that fits in one of the first ciphers that was solved, and these 18 characters at the end were left over. So the theory is that that's the killer's name. So if you know the killer's name, it's a key to solving all the other ciphers. Okay. If it's Edward Wayne Edwards, which is 18 letters, my grandfather's name, John Shule Williams... Is also eighteen letters. It's spelled S F- right. H U E L, so it's eight eighteen letters. My dad's name so, is uh, John Shoe Williams. Used he, he used Junior, but you know that's eighteen letters.
2: So damn it! And Recently, then you plug the those. Zodiac, stop keeping me in suspense.
1: No, I don't think he was.
2: No, I'm talking about now. Him. You said your father or your grandfather's
1: name. No, no, my grandfather wasn't a Zodiac. No. In fact, during (laughs) most of the Zodiac killings, my grandfather was captain of a, a ship for Delta steamship lines. So he was traveling on the Gulf of Mexico, the Atlantic, probably through the Panama Canal to the Pacific and back again. He was on a ship
2: I'll tell you that uh, And when he wasn't on a
1: ship He was in New Orleans with his wife
2: I'll tell you that code That broke kind of hurt my brain Lisa When you were reading that my brain Just started hurting
1: (laughs) Yeah And you know I really You know I wouldn't have put it past Edwards To maybe write One of these letters And pretend to be the Zodiac just to fuck with the police. But, you know, right. but when you read, when you read some of the confirmed letters, I mean, they make sense. Right. Here's the, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington Street and Maple Street last night. To prove this, here is a blood stained piece of his shirt. I am the same man who did something. There's a blot. people in the North Bay area. The SF police could have caught me last night if they had searched the park properly instead of holding road races with their motorcycles, seeing who could make the most noise. I am having problems because of the handwriting. The car right. drivers should have just parked their cars, and sat there quietly waiting for me to come out of cover. School children make nice targets. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning. Just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. Now, that's a Zodiac letter.
2: And that's the most famous one, let's be honest. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But it makes sense. There's
1: a message.
2: Does John ever even Pardon? reference why Ed would quote unquote want to pick off little kitties? Does John ever even reference or explain that?
1: No, I don't like, think he does. I mean I'm I'm it's just in the same you know, in the same absolutes he hated God. He was collecting slaves, he was doing this, that yeah. and the other other day. Okay, here's another. Here's the Zodiac bomb Safer solved by Cameron's friend Neil. As I resurface, I'm being the enemy. Oh, I hate you. I was greater than one I owe. Oh, are you in 90s while I watch? What all I've dealt to you, I redouble you. I see in each affection allotted a way of each pity of the nastiest envy. I beat you back, wordsy acts half real. Itchy to see in effigy, each asshole unless the Zodiac tell you, the pissy are a lie, the beauties he's dealt to you awry, YG, affectionate T.O.T.U., to Aurora, O oh, I go, or are you Amiga? Are you an Amiga? I, I, it makes no freaking hollow. sense.
0: Translator.
1: There's Translator. no message. There's no, you know, there's no grammar. There's no syntax.
2: So, Lisa, I've got to just point this out, right? So I think mm-hmm. it's the Z41 or something. It's the Z something. The world's most famous code that Zodiac wrote. World's yeah. most famous code. Somebody's offered a big-ass prize for cracking right. bitch. Um, right, right. Did John ever
1: try to fucking
2: collect this damn thing?
0: If he's the motherfucker,
1: I I have no idea. But you know, the problem with code breaking is if you don't have the right key, you're not gonna break the code.
2: Oh, I agree. I'm 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 literally just saying, did he? And so, basically, on on Zodiac
1: of of all the cases, Zodiac is the one that has the. Biggest neon sign that says confirmation bias. He wanted Edwards to be Zodiac. Okay. And so he went with it. I don't think he's even trying to prove. He's just saying Edwards mails a letter from this place. Edwards does this. Edwards does that. And there's no right. corroboration. Here. You know, let's look at this. Um on December uh November twenty seventh, uh nineteen sixty nine, of course, nineteen sixty right after nineteen sixty, Edwards went to prison. In the federal prison system for bank robbery. Right. Levin, so between right. 1960 and 1968, he was at Leavenworth initially, and then I believe he went to Lewisburg, and he was discharged or paroled rather in
0: 1967.
1: Mhm. Um. So I'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but here. You know, on his site, he's got uh, November 24th, 1969 in Los Angeles. Edwards kills Doreen Gall and James Sharp. He leaves the Zodiac letter among the possessions of Gall that states, so you think you can fool the old killer? Ha ha. I know all your movements and the time they are made. Time is short. Enjoy life while you can. You are, beautiful t- you are too beautiful to live. Two is spelled wrong. And I must kill you, the Zodiac killer. Doring Gall and James Sharp are believed to be Manson murders. <laughs> of course. So now they're they're also, um
2: so now he's responsible for framing Manson.
1: For a crime that was probably Manson, yeah. And and yeah. Doreen Gall and James Sharp I believe were Scientologists. Mm hmm. And if they were trying to leave Scientology, that's a whole nother ball of can of worms.
2: Yeah, I was about to say,
0: I've heard and, things about it. You know, it. again, in
1: 1969, I can see somebody cleverly coming up with something and signing it the Zodiac Killer, which the symbols on the the letter in Dorian Gall's possessions look nothing like the symbols from Zodiac. Right. So again, this is something somebody could claim to be Zodiac when they're not just to try to throw police off to make it look like a Zodiac murder when it's not. Mhm.
0: Um
1: and then he's got December 16, 1969, Edwards mails another Zodiac letter from Fairfield, California. And it was written by Edward Wayne Edwards. Well, what is the evidence that it was written by Edward Wayne Edwards?
0: Right.
1: He doesn't offer any corroboration. He doesn't have a handwriting expert who's looked at this letter and exemplars of Edward's handwriting during that time. Because you can't look at Edward's 2009 handwriting. And say, ooh, this is it. Um, This is Zodiac speaking. I just want to tell you the state is in trouble. I will go for the government. Life, so don't forget me. I will kill more people than you cops can count. So look for more blood. You better print. You will not catch me. I will kill in San Francisco three times. San Jose, one. Vallejo, six. Napa, eight. Fairfield, three. Sacramento 9, Oakland 8 Ha Ha Boo
0: Hmm The Bleeding
1: Knife of Zodiac actually,
2: Was that an actual Zodiac or was that a
1: uh... I think That is thought to actually Have been a hoax letter
2: hmm.
1: Um And Zodiac's uh, Zodiac's murders, um, the confirmed ones are – the first one was in Benicia, California, December 20th, David Faraday and Betty Betty Lou Jensen. Then in 1969 in Vallejo, Michael Magu and Darlene Farron. I believe Michael Magu survived the attack. And was able to give police some information. Uh, Cameron takes some poetic license with some of that information given by Michael Magu and the Lake Berryessa victims, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard. Brian Hartnell also survived. He gave police an interview and some information. But Cameron takes poetic license. He claims that either Magu or Hartnell or both said the hood was this really intricate leatherwork hood. Neither of them Uh said that. All they ever said was he was wearing a hood. They never even said what the hoods were made of. Right. And then, of course, Paul Stein in uh, San Francisco, he was a cab driver. He picked up a fare. He was shot and uh, the fare apparently just walked away and was never found. And then there are several that are suspected, some prior to 1969, and some after 69. Uh, I'm not really going to go into those, because um, it would take even longer than it already is. Um, right. But every Lovers Lane murder is not a Zodiac murder. Right. Okay? Um, you know... Uh, it's it's kind of murders have some things that they share but they're still committed by different people and right. people and some killers have the same motives but the key is actually proving that a person, had the means, motive, and opportunity. In order for Edwards to be Zodiac, he has to have been in these areas of California, and they are in the San Francisco Bay Area. Right. But we don't know when he was in San Francisco Bay, when he was in Oakland or Sacramento.
2: What's his means, too? You know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the guy was mailing uh, letters from across the country.
1: Right, all over the country, yeah. Well, yeah. I think most of the Zodiac letters were actually were mailed from different parts of California.
3: Yes, yeah, they were.
1: And you know, that was where that was where um what's this uh what's his name, Cameron, was saying that he was flying around doing these things. And you got to look at Edward's personal life. In 1968, um, he was married. He had just been paroled from Lewisburg. He was on parole, so more likely than not, if he was paroled to Akron, Ohio, his ass had to stay in Akron, Ohio. Right. And he... Probably did not have the means to be jet set and flying around the country.
3: Committing murders.
1: To mail letters and commit murders.
3: Right.
1: But Cameron doesn't offer any corroboration that Edwards was in these areas in nineteen sixty eight mhm now, zodiac brought rope with him, apparently okay and um the man was described five eight to six feet tall, while Edwards was five eight to five nine maybe, barrel-chested, dark-haired and heavy-set.
3: I was about to say, but Edwards
2: has always been heavy-set, so, I mean, he doesn't exactly fit the profile, because from what I remember, it's a smaller, pretty, you know, stout motherfucker,
3: a pretty good,
0: ancient guy.
1: Correct. So... Um, And, you know, in that – during that era, Edwards looked like a lot of men from that era, especially men in their late 20s and 30s. So – but, uh, you know, like I said, Zodiac could have – if the known ones are probably related – but not all lover, Lover's Lane murders are going to be Zodiac murders, right. you know. And basically, I think the way they kind of did it was the ones that he took credit for, because usually after the murders, he would send them letters or send the press letters. But some of the letters, right. some of the subsequent letters, especially going, you know, decades into the future, could just be somebody. Interested in the Zodiac case? Who wants to play games?
2: Right. So, I mean, the deal, is with, I, the deal uh, is with that. I mean, as far as that goes, I, I, I mean, like I said, I was in the ballpark, and I still kind of am, as far as. Without looking at the facts, I can see what, Jan, what John was looking at. But, um, but um, you know, the fact of the matter is, Zodiac had an M.O., and it was to send letters and fuck with the police, and Edwards didn't exactly do that the whole time of his, his no. whole killing crew. And
1: so. Cameron's, Cameron's claim that all these letters are attributable to Edwards is the one that really... Fails the the hardest for me because him saying it was Edwards does not prove that it was Edwards, right? And you know none of these le- none of these Zodiac letters ever happened to have been mailed from Ohio. Yeah, there
2: was nothing linking Ohio to them. It was all.
1: Uh, all California
2: Texas.
1: yeah Yeah. so alright well let's try and get through some of these other murders because we got a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot and one of the things I'll let you do one of the things we may have to do is that next week when we talk about the people who were in the SALT cases we'll talk about any murders we didn't talk about in the context of the solved cases. Okay. Um, the next one is, uh, sister Catherine Ann Sesnick in, on November 7th, her body was not found. That was November 6th, 1969. Her body was not found until January 3rd, 1970. She'd gone shopping, disappeared. Her body was found. Um, her, her murder was never solved. A priest was suspected, but the archdiocese apparently um, stepped in and prevented police from looking too deeply at the priest. So again, they were looking at the priest for reasons that had nothing to do with Edward Edwards. Um, The next is a woman named Joyce Malecki, which isn't on uh, Cameron's list, but it was believed to be connected to Sister Catherine Ann's murder because Malecki's body was discovered um, near where a witness said she was taken to see Sister Catherine's body, and the woman – resembled the witness, but we'll get into that next week when we talk about the perpetrators who were allegedly framed. Um, the next uh, we talked about Gall and Sharp. Betsy Ardsma was killed November 28, 1969 in University Park in Pennsylvania. She was a student at the Pennsylvania State University. She was at the in the Stacks area of the Patty Library and was stabbed to death. Her murder has never been solved. Um, Patterson, California, Kathleen Johns and her infant daughter were driven around by someone Kathleen believed to have been Zodiac. They were able to escape and weren't killed. Uh, A letter was subsequently, subsequently received referring to that incident. And then Lake Tahoe a woman by the name of Donna Lass went missing on September 6, 1970, and her body has never been found. Another thing that Cameron attributes to Edwards is D V Cooper. D V Cooper hijacked a plane going from Portland to Seattle on November 24, 1971. He demanded a ransom. Uh, which was delivered $200,000, which is the equivalent of 1240000 in 2018, and parachuted to an uncertain fate. Um, that one is – that's a show in and of itself because there are a lot of people who were suspected, a lot of people who believe D.B. Cooper did not survive his parachute jump uh over the years, money that has been tracked back to the ransom has been found in different woodland areas uh, along the Columbia River. And so it's believed that DB. Cooper did not survive and so he didn't get to he didn't get to spend that money he didn't take it with him. Uh, then, There's a series of murders in California in 1972-73, Highway 101 murders, and that's numerous victims. Uh, Again, that's another unsolved case. Between February and July of 1973, multiple victims were killed sometimes two victims, sometimes one victim, um, unsolved, so nobody got framed for that one. And then in Billings, Montana, Cliff Bernhardt and his wife Linda were killed November 6, 1973. Their murder was actually solved uh, as a result of DNA evidence, and it was linked to a co-worker of Linda's who was deceased. So that murder is solved. And then in 1973, there was apparently a Highway 101 murder of Teresa Walsh on December 22nd. And then a young girl, Catherine Soberg, disappeared from a prom on June 4th, 1974 in Jefferson, Wisconsin. A man named Michael Dudas was shot to death on July 29, 1974 in Great Falls, Montana. Uh, another crime, the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. Even though Jimmy Hoffa got Edwards a job that helped him get paroled from Willisburg, in 1975, Edwards is supposed to have gone to Detroit, kidnapped Hoffa, murdered him, and hidden his body somewhere that it, to this day has never been found. Are we still on?
2: Yes, ma'am. I told so. you okay. I'm going to
1: let you do okay. lightning rounds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll talk about that a little bit, about the suspects in in Hoffa, and none of them are named Ed, Edward Edwards next week. Then also Greenwich, Connecticut, October 30th, October 31st, 1975, Martha Moxley. Um. Cameron believes that Martha Moxley was murdered by Edward Edwards, and Edward Edwards framed Michael Skakel, who was not even arrested for the murder until the 1990s, and was not tried and convicted until 2002. Um, So that one is pretty crazy, and that's one of those absolutes. Well, he always killed on Halloween. And then we have a series <laughs> or Christmas or Easter or his mama's birthday or his birthday. Um, so uh, in San Mateo, California, there were some murders called uh, Gypsy Hill and there was Veronica Cassio on January 7th, Tanya Blackwell on or Tatiana Blackwell on January 24th, Paula Baxter on February 2nd or February, somewhere between February 2nd and 4th. And then we skip to Oakland County, Michigan on February 15th to kill Mark Stebbins, a child. There's Oakland County child murders. That's another series. Um, and then to on February 24th to Reno, Nevada to kill Michelle Mitchell. Um, again, that case was solved. A woman was basically admitted in a psychiatric hospital in Shreveport, Louisiana, that she remembered the murder or committed the murder. She was sent back to Nevada, convicted, and exonerated by DNA evidence, which linked all the Gypsy Hill murders to one person. Talk about that next week. Um, Gypsy Hill had two additional victims, Carol Booth, and Denise Lampe on March 15th and April 1st, 1976. And then back to Oakland County for additional child murders. Uh, Jill Robinson was killed on December 22nd, 1976. She was running away from home on her bike, and she was missing, and her body was found near Troy, Michigan on I-75 on December 26th. On January 2nd, 1977, Christine Millick disappeared. Her body was found January 21st near Franklin Village, Michigan. Uh, Then on February 17th, Edwards apparently traveled to Rochester, Minnesota to kidnap and kill Helen Brock, who was leaving the Mayo Clinic. Another thing, the another thread another thread that's missing. Maybe because he had diabetes. And he was pissed off because the Brock Candy Company caused it. Um that, that's one of the biggest thread that's threads that's missing aside from the metaphysical aspects of Cameron's theories. There are and there are no hard corroborated facts linking Edwards to any of these locations or any of these victims. Right. And then 1977 uh, at a convent near Wheeling, West Virginia, uh, a woman by the name of Roberta Elam, she was a... She had not joined the convent, so she was kind of like a a prospective candidate. She was the sister. That she hadn't Jason. completed. No, that's not even funny. God, oh God is gonna get you.
2: Lord forgive me. The lightning me,
1: strike me. is coming for you, Michael. I can't Lord remember what they call me. it.
2: I'm so sorry, I don't want to die.
1: Uh so Roberta Elam, she had gone out to a field to pray and she was found strangled to death in the field on June thirteenth. Um, and then in Akron, Ohio on August eighth, nineteen seventy seven, Edwards killed Billy Lavasco and Judith Straub. He admitted to this murder in two thousand nine he knew Billy Levasco. He had an issue with Billy Levasco, And it came to a head on the night of August 8th. And he killed Billy, and he had to kill Judith, because she knew he'd kill Billy. Um, it was unsolved until 2009. Interestingly enough, he didn't frame anybody for this murder. And Helen Brock and and Sister uh, Roberta are both also unsolved murder. Oakland County's unsolved. Gypsy Hill was solved by DNA. Uh, and then in 1977, there were a and 1970, yeah, 1977, there were a rash of murders in Wilkinsburg, PA. Uh, multiple victims. But from what I've read, there aren't any common threads among the victims or the means or methods of of their deaths. Um, Again, that's another show. Maybe we can look at those unsolved murders, compare and contrast them. Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, April thirtieth, nineteen 1978. Christopher Vigil, a little boy, disappeared. While he was hiking with his family, his body has never been found. His murder remains unsolved. In Middlesex Middlesex Township, Pennsylvania, in 1979, I don't know a date, uh, a woman by the name of Cheryl Ann Lees was shot to death while working at a convenience store. Uh, Her murder remained unsolved until... Edwards was incarcerated for arson, and he informed on a career criminal also incarcerated for murder uh, and claimed that he had, he had killed Cheryl Lees. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Uh, the Atlanta child murders, 1979 and na- 1981. I'm not going to go into all of them. There's too many to go into. Um Again, it's another show in and of itself. But initially, police thought that because all the victims were African-American, that someone with racial motives could be committing these murders. However, that – you know, that, that – Motive by someone with ties to the KKK or some other white supremacy group was quickly, pretty quickly dispelled because a person like that cannot go into a majority black community without being noticed. And all of these victims lived in inner city, majority African American communities where anybody who was not African-American would have stuck out. Hispanic, Asian, Indian, Middle Eastern, whatever. Um, So that was quickly dispelled or dismissed. And as it turns out, an African-American man was preying on these kids. He was smart. He was from a relatively – privileged background he did not like inner-city children um, he was better than they were and so he was promising these young men fame and riches in the music business in order to sexually assault them and then murder them Uh Again, we'll talk about next week, but his capture had nothing to do with Edward Edwards. 1979, Ricky Beard and Mary Leonard were killed on August 24th in Akron, Ohio. You know, this one is in Akron, Ohio. That's Edwards' stomping grounds. He's probably living in the area at that time. Although, no, no, he's probably gone to Pennsylvania by that time. No, he had I, moved to Pennsylvania. To what?
2: Is Lisa about to say it could be Edwards?
1: Well, actually, no. I just realized he had mo- he had moved to Pennsylvania by that time.
2: Oh darn! I thought we were about to have to time timestamp there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He 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 was in Ocala, For- Florida, in July of '79. They moved to Pennsylvania in 1980. They lived in Wisconsin for a period of time in 1980, which we'll get to, and then they were in Pennsylvania again. So he was in Ocala, Florida. And uh, oh. 1979, there was an arson in Erie, Pennsylvania. Eugene Pitts, Alyssa Sweet, and Jeffrey Sweet, who were young children, died in the fire. They were unable to escape the building. Um, Cameron has this case, the facts of this case, totally screwed up. He does not know what he's talking about. Edwards did not set this fire. He wasn't in Erie PA at the time. He was in Ocala, Florida. Um, He did not inform on the person who was eventually arrested for the fire. Uh, The person who was eventually arrested was present in the apartment at the time of the fire. And we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. 1980, Toledo, Ohio, April 6th, sister Margaret Ann Paul was murdered in the sacristy at Mercy Hospital's chapel. Again, uh, 1980, Edwards was either living in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin. He wasn't living in Ohio, So, and he wasn't in Toledo. And then Jefferson, Wisconsin, again, this is a murder that Edwards admits to having committed. On August 9th, 1980, he shot to death Kelly Hack and Timothy Drew, who had attended a wedding reception at the reception hall where Edwards had been working. Um, he was linked to this murder by DNA. And he pled guilty to it. Um, His daughter actually had seen something about the Hack and Drew murders. uh, Like a documentary. And she remembered he worked at the reception hall. They lived in the area at the time. And after the Hack and Drew murders, he took them to the site where it, it had happened and showed them. And also... They moved very suddenly after the Hack and Drew murders occurred. So um, she contacted police and provided her information. They followed up. They had some, uh, some DNA, and they linked Edwards to the murders by DNA. 1981, Hollywood, Florida, Adam Walsh kidnapped and murdered on July 27th. Again, this is another one of those high-profile cases, and Edwards' name does not come up in any way, shape, or form in the Adam Walsh investigation. And I think this is one where he claims Edwards groomed his way into the lives, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, um, So Adam was a young boy. He was about six or seven years old. He had gone with his mom to the mall in Hollywood. Uh, She was going to Sears for something or other to return something or pick something up. And um, she left him playing video games. And, went and took care of what she was taking care of and came back and he wasn't in the video game department. Um, She immediately got store personnel involved but there was no lockdown of the store or announcements over the PA system to let everybody know there was a missing child and um, then the police did not handle missing children cases with the urgency that they do today, especially children as young as Adam was. Um, So uh, a lot of things that could have been done quickly weren't done. But the theory is that there were some boys playing video games. They started acting up. Adam was near where they were. Someone, a manager or a security guard, gathered up, you know, lassoed up all the boys and put them out the mall. And Adam was a shy kid, didn't speak up, and he ended up getting lassoed out and put outside with everybody else. And so, um, and then he was snatched. And before she even knew he was missing. Um, and this is another one that he has things mixed up. He claims that when John and Revee appeared on national television, that Edwards went and planted Adam's head somewhere so that it would be found the same day. And I think what happened was on August 10th, a head was found in a drainage canal, on the Florida Turnpike near Vero Beach, which is about 130 miles from Hollywood. After the head was found, divers searched the canal and found additional remains. When the remains were found on August 11th, or after the remains had been found on August 11th, John and Reve were invited to appear on national television. And of course, when they did, They hoped that the remains did not belong to Adam, but soon after that, the remains were positively identified as Adam's. Okay. So um, his cause of death was uh, believed to be asphyxiation. And his body's never been recovered. Um, But John Walsh's activism grew out of this case. Laws have been passed to protect children. Uh, When you hear a code Adam in Walmart or any department store now, it's because of Adam Walsh and John Walsh and Revae Walsh. Okay. They're the ones who who turn their grief into something to help. You know, the Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's John Walsh, right? Uh, even Amber Alerts—they grew out of another case, but they go back to to Adam Walsh. Additional right. layers to protect our kids. So, um, this one I don't believe either. 1981, again, according to Edwards's, um thing, he was living in Pennsylvania in 1981, uh, not in Florida. And, again, I just don't see – I don't see these kids. I don't see why he would be attacking these kids. So – and then we had a series of murders in 1987, 1986, 87, and 88 called Colonial Parkway murders. They were in Virginia along a highway known as Colonial Parkway. Um, there was two victims in 1986, Kathleen Thomas and Rebecca Dowski, on October 12th. Interestingly, on Cameron's side, I think he says these were uh, – he started murdering gay people but aside from Kathleen and Rebecca, the other couples in 87, 88, and 89 were all a man and a woman.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Although, okay, Robin Edwards could have been a, could have been a guy, I don't know. And then also in 1987 in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh Peggy Hetrick was murdered on February 11th. Um a young man by the name of Tim McMasters was Arrested and charged for her murder, uh, and eventually exonerated. And we'll go into that next week. Okay. The Colony Park Colonial Parkway murders also remain unsolved. So we might do a show later in the year about unsolved murders.
0: Okay. And that
1: brings us to the end of our 1989 murders. Now, interestingly enough, in March of 1982. Um, Edwards was arrested for arson in Pennsylvania he apparently got bond and then fled but he was captured in April on April 29, 1982 in Marietta, Georgia Cameron says oh he was there for the Wayne Williams trial well no he was there because he was trying to stay out of Pennsylvania and stay out of prison and in December of 1982 he was convicted of arson and uh, sent to p- prison in Pennsylvania for uh, – I think it was like 15 years. He served four. Mm-hmm. And in 1984, he reported confessions from Louis Dinicola to an arson murder in Erie and John Lascaris to the murder in Middlesex Township, Pennsylvania, which we will talk about next week. Okay. So, um, that is that is the 19 – up to the 1989. Okay. A lot – I mean, a lot – there's just too many. There's too many for it to, to reasonably be one person.
4: You and there are lie. different
1: means, means and methods. You know, I, I mean – it's I, just it's too yeah, many. Like
2: said, the one I said and that in, I said was possible was Zodiac and the uh, the Lovers Lane in Montana. Those are the only ones I
3: see as possible.
1: Right, but again, you know we don't we don't have we don't have uh, corroborated evidence that he was actually in. Um, In those areas at those times, his 1993 letter does not list when he lived in any of these areas.
2: Right, I agree. I'm just saying, and
1: we've got murders, and we've got murders in places that he's never lived. And another interesting thing is. We don't have any murders in Arizona, Indiana, New Mexico, North Carolina, South Carolina, or really Washington State.
2: Well, I mean, Lisa, everybody gets burned out. Come on now.
1: So, um, (laughs) and the older... Edwards had another thing in in Metamorphosis of the Criminal. He talks about, I think, sometime in the early 70s, that he fell on some stairs. And him being a bit of a con man, maybe the fall wasn't quite so accidental, and there was some sort of insurance claim involved. Um, but he pretty seriously messed up his neck and back, according to him. And the fact that he was using a cane in his mid to late 60s and into his 70s, his ability to be traveling all around the country, flying, even flying on planes. I mean, my dad and my mom both had back problems. I have back uh-huh. problems. And flying is torture. Oh, I'm sure. You know, from between the walking in and around the airport to the seats to the time in the air to the uneven surfaces getting on and off the planes and the jetways and then the more walking. Um, Whenever I used to fly from New Orleans to to Memphis, the day after, I would always take that day off work because I was I was going to stay in bed, taking a leave all day, and move as little as possible. Right. So, um, so next week we will pick up. We'll talk about the '90s and 2000 cases up to 2009. Which we should get through pretty quickly, and then we're going to talk about the um, people that Edwards allegedly framed.
3: See, Lisa, you say that,
2: but next week's when I'm going to do a whole bunch of my shit talking, honestly.
1: Um, No, I won't let you.
0: (laughs) Damn.
2: You gotta at least give me West Memphis to talk some mad shit.
1: Oh yeah, I'll I'll give you that one.
2: Okay, so well, as long as I can get West Memphis and Lacey, I think I'll be good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Alright. So, um we'll pick up next week and finish our lovely Journey into Edwards. And we didn't take a break tonight, so we didn't play either one of my break songs. I'm a little disappointed. But we'll play those next week. We'll be sure to we'll be sure to fix it so we take a break.
2: There we go. We certainly will. But uh go ahead and wrap a bow on it before we get tossed out by Block Talk.
1: Yes, I know. I'm looking at the clock too. Thank you for listening, Clear and Convincing, with Lisa O'Brien and Michael Carnahan. If you like our show and want to know more, you can find us on Facebook, go to our blog at clearingconvincingpodcast.wordpress.com, or follow me on Twitter at O'Brien Join us on Tuesday, August 20th, 2019, at 8 p.m. Central, for Episode 25, Edward Wayne Edwards, Part 3. We'll continue talking about the murders allegedly committed by Edwards during the period between 1990 and his arrest in 2009, we'll also talk about the allegations that Edwards framed multiple people for his murders, including William Hirons, Burton Abbott, Sam Shepard, the West Memphis Three, and Scott Peterson. Until then, have a, safe, have a great week and stay safe. Good night.